Previously on aisle 14 at the local Toys R Us. The year is 1994, and Godzilla is coming stateside, baby! But this time, our favorite Titanic terror is only three to five apples tall. Trust me, I, I did the math on that one. While the Heisei era was in full swing in Japan, the G-Fans of America would have to wait another four years before an official home release of Godzilla with the last film to drop being Godzilla vs. Biollante, which was released in 1992. E-gads! But Trendmaster knew that there was a demand for the great green giant, and snapped up the rights to distribute a batch of somewhat accurate representations of classic Toho monsters. Thus, the King of the Monsters toy line was born. This first round of toys would capture the likenesses of Godzilla, King Ghidorah, both Mecha and Meaty, Mothra, Mecha Godzilla to the, the, the Heisei one, not, not Showa, Rodan, Batra, Gigan, and the most fucked up Biollante I've ever seen. I mean, literally, it has, like, take Biollante, but pull him, pull her up out of the dirt, give her a huge ass, and then, like, just giant buff legs. It's so weird. I mean, I love it. But it's also weird. I don't know why they decided on that, but, you know, whatever. Some of these toys preceded the official American release of their movies by a couple of years. So this was huge for G fans of all ages. And while we won't be covering the full arc of Trendmasters in this review, I will summarize that in their four-year run, before filing for bankruptcy twice, they managed to bring us Godzilla and Power Armor, and even a line of toys from the 1998 film though they never got to release the actual toys for the, the animated series, which would have been really cool because uh, the, the, the little Mecha Godzilla from that looked really rad. Sorry, Cyberzilla. But while they were defeated by the dread beast of consumerism, the memories still burn. And now our story continues. We interrupt this program to bring you... A giant of limitless power. What would happen, they wondered. Why not try? Nuclear fission. To build the first atomic bomb. Man has released from within the atom's heart. Not one, but many giants. Welcome to Tokyo Signals, the bite-sized kaiju podcast for all your collectible needs. I'm Rob, and joining me from... <laughs> I'm Rob, and joining me is a never-removed-from-package NFRP guest. Would you mind introducing yourself? Uh, yes, I am truly mint-in-box Eric Schuster. <laughs> Pleasure to be back, Rob. Yeehaw! I remember in our FP from an episode of uh, Dexter's Lab, where oh. it's like the they go, he goes to a Star Trek convention, and they're like in our FP, in our FP, and they're like chanting it. Amazing, um, good stuff. But hey, man, how you doing? We're doing all right, Rob. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a pleasure to be uh, talking with you in any form or uh, fashion, and. Uh, <laughs> Discussing uh, discussing what we're going to be discussing is very much my wheelhouse. I feel I feel a bit more qualified than uh, perhaps uh, you know <laughs> perhaps uh, I have 
in in past episodes. I I think you've you've always brought a lot of uh, a lot of charm and insight to the episodes. But I am very glad to have you on uh, to talk about art, uh, uh, because Eric, for those who don't know, uh, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I've been working in comics since let's say 2009 was or 2006 was when I was, you know, a production assistant on uh, a couple of books that you might have heard of. Uh, I worked on the Marvel Civil War Frontline, which was a tie-in series to the Marvel Civil War comic book that was coming out at the time. Uh, I never drew Spider-Man, but I drew the <laughs> building he jumped off of. Um <laughs> And I've worked with, you know, I've worked uh, uh, throughout the years uh, with most of the publishers that people have heard of in uh, one form or fashion. Uh, my name has even been on a couple of the books. Uh, oh, I've done nice. a lot of, produ- yeah, I've been, I've done a lot of production assistant work. I've done my own work as well, uh, you know, uh, as a pretty consistently that has been published by a couple of uh, couple of outfits as well. Uh, but I like to self-publish, which is what I have been primarily focusing on for the last uh, couple of years. Um, and particularly relevant to the audiences <laughs> of, uh, of Tokyo, Tokyo lives would probably be the currently, uh, uh, I would say about halfway finished, uh, comic that I've been doing called the Kaiju Soothsayer, which has been posting Just on all of the relevant social, social media sites. Phenomenal. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty silly. Uh, as, as I was, you know, as I've discussed earlier, it was kind of, it was literally started to amuse three people. <laughs> uh, it's a story about, uh, Godzilla's son, Manila, who in this may or may not, may be a prophet or may be a crackpot, uh, or is there even a difference? Um, we will, we'll find out. <laughs> um, it's kind of a fun little like alternative universe, I guess in a way, uh, now that I'm looking at it. I guess I would liken it to Gojiban if it yeah. was close to anything, because uh, it's kind of cutesy in tone, and uh, the monsters do like people things. Yeah, and they kind of like, I mean, you know, like there's not the traditional like kaiju battles, but there is kaiju bullying. Uh, <laughs> rated PG for bullying. <laughs> it's, I, I love it. I think, um, I think Gojiban and yeah, th- there's very much a, a, a similar vein betwixt the two, you know, it's a, it's the promise of Godzilla's revenge, uh, kind of like played out or all monsters attack. What was the, oh my gosh, no, not Godzilla's Both. revenge. Uh, Godzilla's revenge was the American title. All monsters was attack was the Japanese one. There we go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the introduction of, uh, uh, Gabara, uh, uh, Gabra, uh, definitely that kind of like promise of this, like, what if we did Yo Gabba Gabba, but as right. Godzilla? Um, and I do really like that we're seeing kind of like the it, it's very like it's very interesting that like in the the two like you know uh like when two thoughts like happen to line up because like Kaiju Susayer and uh Gojibon seem to happen kind of simultaneously without directly influencing each other and instead growing in their own very unique and strange ways. <laughs> I mean, I swear I hadn't seen Goji Bon when I started it. Uh, Kaiju Soothsayer <laughs> was one of those projects where I wasn't even necessarily intending to do... I mean, I didn't want to do a Godzilla fan comic yeah. necessarily. I've got a... You know, I've, I'm, I'm very much of the mindset that I wanted to start devoting my time to, you know, uh, my own things, but... The story popped into my mind almost complete 
you know, and when you're gift, you were you were gifted an idea that requires, you know, when 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 a story literally falls into your lap, you've well, got to literally falls into your lap. You got to take it. You, you got to take it. Like, how often does it come that easily? <laughs> so, uh, it's it's been a really fun experiment to work with. I very pointedly do it all like straight ahead. There's no pre planning. <laughs> I don't even have the outline is just up in my noggin, um, and. It, it's I do very little prep work for it and probably shows <laughs> the commitment to craft, but I feel like there's a bit of an energy that you get when you just kind of plunge right in straight yeah. ahead and you just kind of, you know, power through it in a, in a lot of ways. Like my a lot of my comics work, a lot of the work that I do is kind of about being fastidious. Yeah. So this is kind of where I get to play. <laughs> well, I think it's like that's like the the interesting evolution of like like free form, like artistry, right. Is like, there's there, you know, kinetic art, like there's art where you can tell that like, there's the extreme motion of the pen because it's a, a hurried artwork. Uh, but I think that in that same, you know, like you can see the brushstrokes of a film or of a story as well. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, there's a very fun kinetic storytelling, uh, where it does feel like you're, you're piecing together the plot, just a few threads in front of where the reader is, you know, I'm uh, in front of the train as it's, going. yeah, <laughs> a really grommet, is... you know, pulling a grommet. <laughs> and I don't know if you could have teed up a more seamless, uh, transition <laughs> talking about slash and burn artwork. <laughs> this, uh, this comic. So, um, uh, to give a little bit of insight before we get into the proper story, this is uh, we are going to be covering the Trend Masters comic book that they put out to promote the first toy line, the King of the Monsters toy line. Uh, this is a short, like 16, 13 page comic uh, that has like some pretty quick artwork, heavy lines, you know, like. Not like crazy shadow work, not a lot of like, you know, like crazy detailed work. I will say that um, uh, uh, Butch Burcham, the the artist, uh, does have kind of like you can tell that like he's very, very inspired in a lot of his other works by Frank Frazetta. And like you can you can just see the wisps of that he wanted to do that kind of art style. But uh, it's. It's pretty interesting to see. But yeah, th we are covering the Trend Masters King of the Monster comic book, uh, which is uh, just this little tie-in graphic novel to kind of get the, uh, the, the, the youths out of the comic book store and into the Toys R Us. Or in some cases, in a lot of cases, uh, the Kmarts, because a lot of these were Kmart-specific uh, special releases. Uh, we'll get into that maybe at some point. Um, uh, so I don't have a super detailed history with King of the Monsters, uh, sorry, with, um, with Trend Masters. I never owned one. I had a lot of like other, like I was a mecha kid. I had a lot of mecha toys and like Star Trek toys. Um, 
But I do have like a very crystal clear memory of going over to this like friend of mine's house and he had the fully assembled Megazord and he had the Godzilla with the power armor. And I had memory hold the power armor for so long until I saw the commercial for it during the Kaiju quarantine. And I thought like, oh, that's so funny, Godzilla with power armor. And then I started to think about it more and more. And I was like, why do I have like this vivid image of like them on a bookshelf? Like, why do I like have, and it like kind of came back to me as I was looking at the, the catalog of all these toys, like, oh, that's right. I think Ryan had like, like, I think he convinced me that Godzilla for sure showed up to fight the Power Rangers at some point. I don't know. Like, I, I guess like there was always like that kid that would like make up stories. And so it was like that. And then he also made up a story about how, no, you just missed the one episode where uh, of Beast Wars where uh, uh, Wolf Fang, the wolf themed Transformer, uh, showed up for an episode. You just missed it. But he's on there. This is the episode of Inspector Gadget where you get to see Dr. Claw's face. Yeah, you just missed the one episode where they show his face. That's it. <laughs> like, he was he was that kind of dude. Uh, so I, 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 have, I have strong memories of uh, these two plastic toys, a, a, a Megazord and a Power Armor Godzilla slapping against each other. Uh, and that's about it. That's my that's my the full extent of my Trend Masters lore. Um, did you ever play with a Trend Masters toy by chance, or were you a big action figure kid? I liked Ninja Turtles. Um, Hell yeah! I think I think I I remember the Space Godzilla figure because it was blue. Yeah. I don't recall if I had that or if a friend had it, but that's the only one of these that I specifically remember. I remember them existing because <laughs> Kmart was one of the few stores in the town I grew up in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was, but at the time, you know, this came out, what, 93, you said 94? Yeah. Um, well, 94 to sure. 97 was their full run. And then yeah. they went bankrupt and then they didn't release like one whole toy line and then they were like, but we're coming back for G98. They got the rights again. They were like, we're going to release G98 toys. And then that was a huge flop. And then they just they went out of business. <laughs> Pretty sure Jurassic Park was, I only had eyes for Jurassic Park at the time. That's which fair. is probably a non-trivial reason why they released those Godzilla figures in the first place. <laughs> Well, we're gonna get the kids who uh, we're gonna get the kids who don't have any Jurassic Park figures. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, maybe, maybe, yeah. Per, uh, the uh, the idea that you know a, a relative would uh, <laughs> like dinosaurs. Let's get him one of these. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah. So I mean, like when it comes to the actual toys, they they don't have a lot of like nostalgic value towards like for me. Uh, I know. Kyle was a really big fan of them and apparently had a bunch. Uh, Cameron says he had them, but I don't know. I remember being friends with them in high school. And while he had a lot of toys in his room, he did not have a Godzilla toy. So I don't know. The 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 jury's still out on that one. Um, big fan. But, uh, but uh, yeah. Do you want to move into talking about the plot? Oh yeah, let's let's dig into this. Uh, let's dig into this. Uh, it's Citizen Kane of Kaiju Comics here. Yeah, I don't know if it's really like it's. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's the Citizen Kane of Kaiju Comics. Yeah. 
Today on Tokyo Signals, we'll be covering the 1994 promotional comic for the Trend Masters, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, a release line? I wrote storyline, but it's probably like a release line. I, you know, I, uh, A short, sweet little comic that will fit perfectly in for a Signals episode. Written by Brian Weinstock and drawn by Butch Burcham. We open our story, as most do, on Monster Island, which is somewhere in the South Pacific. Okay, that tracks. And once again, humans just can't stop themselves from messing with the big old G-Man himself. That's right, for reasons that will never be made clear, the humans want to get their hands on some dino DNA! Uh, sorry, I mean monster DNA! That is hidden at the center of a mountain on Monster Island, for some reason. And what better way to delicately extract a resource from an island guarded by a living deity and his best friends than by blowing the heck out of it with a bunch of giant bombs. Wow, it's like we learned nothing <laughs> before we made the Kong movie. Uh, uh, Skull Island movie. There we go. Oh no! Whoops! Now Godzilla is pissed. Who could have seen this coming? And worst, he is not alone. Mothra and... Jesus, is that supposed to be Rodan? Okay, well, Rodan and Mothra join his rampage against the DNA-thieving humans. And to make matters worse, the humans already stole one of Godzilla's eggs and hid it on the top of an office building in New York City. But who are these humans, you ask? Why, Lex Luthor, of course. Well, technically it's someone named Chairman Rollins and his company called Genco. But it, it, it looks like he was designed off of, like, it definitely looks like he was supposed to be Lex Luthor. He is alerted by his paramilitary, or maybe the actual military, that Godzilla is en route. So it's time to unleash his secret weapons, Mecha Godzilla and Mecha King Ghidorah. Hoomst is fully mechanical in this setting. Just, a, just an important side note. And so the battle proper starts on the murky, stinky, polluted, and generally unlikable coastline of New York City. <laughs> Wait! Didn't I editorialized that a little bit? Wait, <laughs> didn't Godzilla have to cross from cross over from the Pacific Ocean? How did he get here? What's happening? Anyway, Mecha King Ghidorah grapples Godzilla using his G graspers, while Mecha Godzilla attempts to duke it out with Rodan, who just kind of leaves after a bit. Also, Mothra is somewhere, I guess, taking a nap, so that's not important anymore. That means that Godzilla has to take on the technological terrors all by himself. Looks like everything is working out for Genko, or is it? That's right. Godzilla gets the upper hand and breaks free and massacres the two mechas before stomping off and saving his egg and roasting, <laughs> roasting Chairman Rollins. Like with his atomic breath, not just like commenting on his hairline. And so, Jinko's plans of creating their own super mutant Godzilla Jr. lay in ruins as our heroes head back home towards Monster Island. And now, that's the end. That's it. That's just the end. There's no sequel. There, there's no follow-up on that, that story. Weirdly, the Jinko plot is not a plot element that is ever brought up in the toy line, which is kind of weird, considering that it seems like it would be an absolute win to just make a bunch of weird fusion monsters. I mean, they've got all the plastic components. You can just, you know, like, change the sections and fuse them together all weird. But 
Alas, uh, that that never never is followed up on. <laughs> and so that's the plot. That's it. Uh, short, sweet, and simple. There's not really like a lot of uh, depth to dig into there. Uh, but what uh, what did you think? Oh, uh, I will say when uh, you mentioned that we were going to be reading a t- uh, toy tie-in promotional comic, <laughs> I the bar was the bar was not high. And you know what, uh, uh, Butch Bircham, he 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 did, he did not slack here. He, no. You know, he he he's not like drawing every. Uh, he's not doing all the. He's not doing like beautiful cityscapes. But no. like, that's not what you're here for. He yeah. definitely renders. He renders the hell out of these monsters. And you know, I'm not sure what references he was given, but the Godzilla looks excellent. The Mecha Godzilla and the Mothra look pretty good. Yeah. I don't know what he was looking at. I'm going to blame the references that he had for Rodan. Uh, <laughs> Because this was 93, 94, right? So yeah. It's not like he could do what I'm able to do, which is pop on to a site like kaijuaddicts.com, which true. does these loving reviews of these super detailed figures photographed <laughs> from every angle. Uh, you know, I don't... So he... I'm, I'm pretty pretty sure he he's making the best he's making the best with what he had yeah i mean Um, his like yeah there's a lot of like shading and really like it's detail work uh it's the thing that like when you first made uh, like the the moment that like we first got introduced to each other is you made that like godzilla sitting on the island listening to one of our episodes and i just remember the like the like extreme shadowing and that like line work to shadow where you're just doing vertical lines, compressing more and more to like deepen a shadow. It looks really nice and it takes time. I mean, this is like, you know, nineties era work. So he's just sitting there (laughs) with like the pencil first and then inking all of it. So, I mean, it's, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, well, and, if you're, I, I, I did a very, very little like research into this guy, and I think he was primarily a, from what I can tell, and uh, he doesn't really have a social media presence. The man <laughs> was born in 1954. If he's even still with us, uh, you know, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be ancient, but uh, he doesn't have any new modern credits that I could see. No, but he... uh, just looking at the work and looking at like his lineage, like I can definitely, I'm going to assume that there was a whole lot of like, you know, early dungeons and dragons handbook <laughs> in, in this. That's kind of what it reminds me of. It's yeah. got that really badass aesthetic that I really enjoy where uh, a, a friend of mine described it as uh, when I see fantasy artwork, I want it to look like it came out of a, a high school <laughs> metalheads uh, trapper keeper. I mean, I'm not, he, I'm not looking for uh, a nicely rendered fantasy painting all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like you can tell that there is a, you know, uh, an air of Frank Frazetta E nature. Like if you look at the comics that he worked on, so he worked on Amazons. He did cover work for a few other things, but he mostly worked on yeah. a, a series called Dark Wolf, which is basically like if you took Batman, Iron Man and Ghost Rider and kind of fused them together and gave him like an Ultron face. Um, you can see a lot of like, oh yeah, this guy loved Frank Frazetta art. This guy stared at Frank Frazetta art a lot. Um, Oh yeah. And there's definitely this panel I'm looking at in the middle where he's 
smashes Ghidorah into Mechagodzilla. There is a there is Kirby Crackle all over this page. Yeah. <laughs> this this guy's this guy's aesthetics are not necessarily like this. I, I don't get the impression that this was specifically a Godzilla fan. I think his DNA is a bit more in like, you know, the fantasy and uh, yeah. the superhero comic books. Just based on the effects and the rendering that he's doing here. Yeah. It doesn't. It, the way he renders metal, it's got that kind of Kirby waviness to it, which yeah. is really fun. <laughs> uh, this is kind of a side note, uh, but uh, I ha- I was reading a some pontifications about comic artists who okay. talked about cross hatching and the noodling in comic books. And his 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 observation was uh, that's there because it's really the only flow state that comics offers. Like. Comic books as a discipline is an amalgamation. You kind of got to be, you kind of got to be at least adequate at like seven different disciplines in order to make this one thing. <laughs> yeah. And really the only area where you can kind of get lost and have, have fun. And like, it's not just work is the, is just rendering the shit out of something with like a lot of little cross hatches. <laughs> um, I also had another, I was also reading an unrelated, uh, unrelated to the previous writer, but uh, it kind of made this beautiful moment of synchronicity <laughs> where it's a comic artist who's known for a lot of very beautiful, beautiful, intricate uh, line work. And yeah. he mentioned, I recently, as an adult, got diagnosed with ADHD. Wonder if that's why I like to really <laughs> render this, render all of these characters' hair and fabric. <laughs> this is, it kind of allowed me to focus my brain on something. So I mean, yeah, I was, uh, I realized... Maybe there's something undiagnosed there. No, I, I mean, that's how I was able to, I remember like when I really properly finally started to like accelerate in school was when I got into college and I wasn't reprimanded for doodling. Uh, I, I, I called them hieroglyphics. I wouldn't just like draw like random art. I would draw like outside the margins of like what I was doing, but they would all kind of like be about whatever I was learning. You know, I would be trying to like envision you know, interpret and translate like whatever the person was saying into like a shape and a design or a creature. And I remember that like made it stick and it was like, Oh yeah. Like this is very like, I don't know. It was a way that like my brain could download and register information more accessibly. And then I could remember that information and recall it way easier than if I just like read the text over and over. So yeah, right. not uh, to not to not to imply all comic artists have undiagnosed <laughs> or diagnosed ADHD. Right, well, but the le- the 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 detail uh, the detailing that part that yeah. was that was brought to my attention recently. <laughs> that uh, you know this is this is someone who's an acolyte of Alex Toth, who is kind of notorious for stripping all superfluous detail out of his work, <laughs> um, and uh, leaving leaving the bare bones, but. Um, well, I mean, uh, eliminate the superfluous and draw the shit out of what's left. Yeah, <laughs> something he would say. Uh, I I like the art style. I, it does feel very much like it's very nostalgic because it's of that like of the era where I was buying toys that had this kind of box art, or like you know like the kind of like this is the tiny like quickly made comic. This isn't the the comic you would buy that had like X Men in it. This is the fun cheap, you know, little like. The, the baby comics, you know, uh, that came with the toy or came with the thing that you wanted. Uh, I The monster designs are really like range from like really interesting to really weird. So I've got them laid out like that. I think that the Godzilla that he has is it's Biogoji, but it's got Hanna-Barbera dorsal plates, like this big kind of like 
like wobbly looking ones. Coral um, reef. Yeah, very like very like, you know, smooth coral reef looking. Yeah. Um but uh all of his there's no pupils ever. So he always has these GMK eyes. Uh, so it's a very menacing Godzilla before GMK was even like a whisper of an idea, you know? So it was really, I, I thought it was really interesting a decade before we got like ghost Godzilla that we have this like rage Godzilla running around. Uh, I think that Mothra is, you know, very like, like a lot of detail work has to go into making Mothra, but it's very weird. I can't pinpoint exactly what, like model he would be basing it off of because it looks just like a like a bug. Uh it's kind of like if you took Showa Mothra and you shaved all of her shag carpeting off and she was just like an insectoid thing. Uh yeah. I mean the patterns on the wing I'm looking at all the little details and there's oh, again yeah. I'm kind of wondering what references he had. I I I wonder if he even had the figures themselves to work off of or if he just had some photographs cuz Yeah. There's so many little specific details that are right. And then there's some very <laughs> weird choices where in my mind, I just see him, you know, under the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I well, got, I got not, like three hours to make this done. <laughs> possibly that, but also like, well, this, as somebody who's, you know, I've drawn a lot of obscure monsters and sometimes, <laughs> uh, sometimes there's some good reference images for him and sometimes there's not. And you just kind of got to, you just got to fudge <laughs> Fill it. in the blanks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, this is 90, 93, 94. It's yeah. not like he could pop on the internet and uh and it's not like you go down go down to the uh, you know, the, yeah. the the video rental store which existed at the time and rent these movies which are not out in America. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you would have had everything that is outside of one of the things that's freshly available. Uh yeah, like, you know, because yeah, uh, Biolante was the most recent thing that came out. Came out two years before this comic, so if anything, he's referencing any official material that Toho gave Trendmasters, or any material that Trendmasters then paid their own artists. Because like the Trendmaster designs are their own thing. Because you yeah. can't just design it to look like Godzilla. You need to design it to like stand and be a, a to- like a toy. And so, like, a different thought process has to go into the design and shape of it. We're not really covering the designs of Trendmaster toys. Maybe that would be, like, a fun Tokyo Lives episode where we just, like, do the Trendmasters line and just explain the vague plot of each one and then, like, do monster description uh, a go-go. But uh, <clears throat> there's there's definitely a unique design for the Trendmaster like creatures that is not in line with the actual Toho monsters. And there's a few, you can see pieces of concept art where they're trying to make basically like an action figure, a big top heavy buff bod action figure out of Godzilla. Um, But Godzilla's not really like that. He's a big, he's a big boy, you know, Uh, same with all the others. Uh, I think that the Mecha Godzilla and the uh, uh, Mecha King Ghidorah are spot on. Uh, like you said, there's that bendiness to everything. I think that, uh, like Mechagodzilla, like looks like super Mechagodzilla. He just looks like there's no, you know, it, it's just super Mechagodzilla. Uh, the, the Mecha King Ghidorah I do like because he's got almost like uh shocker from Spider-Man esque patterns on his like flesh heads and much longer spikes than Ghidorah has in like the movies. 
So like it's definitely a unique take, a twist on the existing character model. Um is that what the Trent Master toy looks like? Or is that this this dude just like, all right, he's a dragon, right? Uh, I have... And I got to get these details right. And uh, I have only looked at Biolante. <laughs> I, well, let's see here. Hold on. Because I, I had this all, I had all the images pulled up earlier. We are reviewing the comic, not <laughs> the toys. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just, I, but now I need to all know. Good. I need to remember what did their Ghidorah look like? Do they have a good image of that? Uh, I mean, kind of. Uh, You can definitely see that there's some of that, like, some of that, like, cross, like, uh, you know, wire mesh looking thing along the necks. Um, But, like, yeah, it's definitely his own design in the actual comic. You know, you can tell it's an interpretation of him looking at actual images uh, or even actual draw like the, you know, the, the poster work, because all the posters should have been available. That's what got Americans so hype in general, because the movies weren't being I mean, there were probably bootlegs and stuff, but like official proper releases were not happening yeah. for uh, until TriStar got the rights, you know. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah, say what you will about Godzilla 98 and people will say a lot of things, but yeah. that got us official releases of a lot of stuff we couldn't get before. It's true. Uh, which was pretty magnificent, I must say. <laughs> uh, the last boy I want to talk about is Rodan. Uh, I, I joked about him in the the like plot synopsis, but I'm really, there's a lot going on here. Uh, and while I do make fun of him uh, because he doesn't look at all like Rodan, I do like that he's like this weird, I, I say, uh, uh, my little note here is this creature feels like a, a design from the back of the box of Ghost and Goblins. That or Ripley from Metroid. Uh, he has like a very Ripley head. Like it's that long toothed beak with like a, a tiny head with spikes on the back, like coming off the back of it. But the head is so much bigger than the rest of the body comparatively. He looks. I know that he didn't base it on Varon, but it kind of because Varon is an even more yeah. obscure guy using <laughs> Rodan. But uh, Ver, it, to me, it does look like Varon. It's got like the the thick legs. It's yeah. got the little crown of spikes. It's got kind of the the uh, like skexy looking snoot. snoot. Uh, it's a cool looking. I don't know if again, I don't know what reference images he had, or if it was just ah, it's a pterodactyl dragon <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, I know what that looks like. I mean, that's one of the things is that like you, you know, it, it also has to stand up, right? True. So Rodan can't look like Rodan. It's got to be a little gobliny guy with like big legs underneath that can support the body standing upright. Because you're supposed to take all these toys and line them up on your shelf, you know. And then slam them together later. <laughs> so there's, you can see some, some of, some of the look of the, the toy model. And like, honestly, looking at the, the Rodan drawing in the, the comic, it does feel like he used or utilized some of the, the templates, uh, from the actual toy line. Um, and that may explain why Mothra looks so shaved down is because they're using the kind of like smooth plastic outline with no frill to it for Mothra because 
the toy wouldn't have any of that frill. I don't know. I, maybe we've maybe we've stumbled onto a solution to our our mystery here. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite moments about the uh, uh, during the admittedly very short comic? I mean, I think my favorite moment is the the double page spread. You know, which is obviously intended to be the the, big the, the money shot middle, of yeah. the of the comic where Godzilla swings uh mecha king Ghidorah by his tail smashing yeah. him into mecha godzilla and there's all kinds of fun kirby crackle and uh <laughs> man he re- he renders the hell out of godzilla's knuckles oh uh, yeah it's a it's a you can tell he had some fun drawing this one it's it's, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of fun mayhem yeah that's probably my favorite moment of this comic uh just flipping through it as 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 I'm doing, but uh, I got I guess I, I got to give it up and appreciate that. Uh, just as an overall thing, that this man was having a lot of fun drawing these monster textures. Yeah, it's a very. I mean, we were talking about kinetic artwork earlier. It's a very like it's a very kinetic comic. Uh, very fun, very bubbly character designs. Most likely based off of the the inevitable toy line that would come out after. Uh, but dancing within that, you can see that there is so much love and detail in like, it's not cross stitching, but you know, that like underneath like Rodan's arm, I don't know what that like little, like super tiny line work is, but it reminds me of like most of the cartoons of that era, uh, where there was like, there was a texture to all the characters. Now everything's very, very flat. But like, if you think about like Duckman or, uh, like the, oh my gosh, uh, uh, the Thornberries or, um, that one show what was the, uh, 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 oh no, my brain. Mm. No. Ah, oh, well, Something it's gone. Of that era. It's Something gone. Very... It's gone. But, uh, right. I can see the image in my head, but now I can't, I don't know if I would ever be able to put it towards, uh, but, uh, or, or like the, the, the Jumanji show also, uh, there's very like. That like almost like retro uh, or neo art deco character like characterization, and then that like very dirty line work, very like you know not cross hatch, but like just like lines, just boop 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 to uh, to like add texture to a character's body, uh, and I just I don't know I like that a lot. I like that so so much, and I I wish that we ha- we could go back to that or like have a revolution for that art style again. Although I will say probably turbo time consuming. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like I, like I said earlier, it's, it's fun to do <laughs> doing, doing all the little hatching and mark making is, is probably the one area where you can kind of just turn off your brain and, uh, you know, go nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at this now. I'm guessing most of this is done either with a crow quill nib or a marker uh, just looking at the way that these marks are made, yeah, uh, and I'm I'm assuming that the way that I'm this comic was probably printed very small, yeah. So a lot of the details would kind of look a little more natural, kind of like how uh, you know you look at old school pixel art. Oh yeah, and uh, old school pixel art looks like high contrast and chunky now, but if you look at it on a CRT monitor, which is how you are supposed to. It, it kind of blends it, it together yeah. a little bit more and you get like a nice more of like a 3D like effect or, you know, the lines look a little bit more uh, naturalistic. Yeah. So 
I'm looking at this thinking, yeah, if this was printed, you know, half the size that I'm looking at it, it probably, you know, probably looked pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I appreciate you know, looking at it up up close and personal, but I'm, you know, I'm a nerd who kind of loves There's... looking at the way that marks are made. There's definitely some scenes, I think right before the big, like, you know, uh, grapple attack from uh, Mecha King Ghidorah, I think that small would be too clustered. But there are a lot of these scenes where if it was like you just took the whole image and, yeah, like had it just like a little tiny pamphlet that came in the back, like, you know, in the the back casing of like a, a early release of this, like, you know, this uh, this toy line. I could see that being like, oh, wow, you whoa, you know, <laughs> you're really getting excited and like imagining your yeah. G.I. Joe's or Genko, you know? Yeah. And something, uh, you know, if this, this is a comic for kids. And in my experience as somebody who, you know, has and is making comics for kids, I feel like you should try to make something that a kid's going to want to duplicate. Yeah. Um, when I was, when I was, I didn't really like reading comic books when I was younger because I would, the comic books that were coming out, this was when the nineties image comics were uh, in vogue. And I was <laughs> very put off by, you know, how, how over in my mind, over rendered they were. Um, I was more attracted to newspaper strips because that was something that I thought that I could emulate. Yeah. Um, so I kind of enjoy seeing stuff that's a little more rough around the edges because as a child, I was, <laughs> I would absolutely have tried to redraw this. Uh, um, yeah, uh, for me, for a favorite moment, uh, I, honestly, it's the reveal that everything's just going to be fine. Cause like, uh, Rodan leaves uh, and then Mecha, uh, Mecha King Ghidorah and Super Mecha Godzilla all just like jump in and start wailing uh, on on Godzilla, and it cuts to like the interior of Genko where the boss is like, "The situation is under control." I repeat, the situation is. Uh, then there's ellipses, and then real big Godzilla breaks, uh, like stands up and pushes them off, and it's just in big text because not. <laughs> it's so it's funny. A pretty good not joke. Such a good, such a good bit. Uh, and then like, obviously like, you know, it's like half a panel where it's like, Oh no, Godzilla's on the ropes. And then it's like, actually, no, he's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah. Um, that is very funny that you get a very nineties, not, not in there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this comic or trend masters uh-huh. in general? Yeah. I have no sentiment. I have no. Uh, I have no uh, specific memories of Trendmasters, but uh, this comic is fun. Um, yeah. it would be kind of neat maybe to see it reprinted in a collection of oddities and uh, things of that nature. Um, I don't know if this has ever been reprinted anywhere <laughs> else. Probably not. You can um, find it. It's like two hundred dollars on on eBay, oh, which is why we are not reading it legally. <laughs> Uh, or, uh, well, uh, uh, we're reading it totally legally, 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 legally. Yeah. We're legal, screen sharing. We're screen sharing with someone who, uh, uh has obtained a copy and they're it's showing it, flipping it, through it for us. Yeah. Very kind. Of <laughs> yes. Them. And it'd be neat to see, you know, or this and like the Godzilla versus Megalon promo yeah. comic. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it'd be neat to see all these little oddities collected, uh, somewhere. Um, that's, as, yeah. as far as it goes, as you know, as far as Godzilla comics goes, obviously, you know, Art Adams' Dark Horse work was pretty essential, and uh, 
there's been plenty of good uh, modern uh, comic books coming out uh, with Godzilla in them. Yeah, uh, and this is a precursor to it. Is uh, it's 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 a fun little historical oddity, and uh, <laughs> this idea that you know a comic book would excite kids for toys, and you know maybe not the other way around. Uh, it's kind of an interesting. It's kind of an interesting idea that comic books were an uh, advertisement. Uh, I mean, they were an advertisement for toys. Yeah, to- I mean, comics during the 90s were essentially just advertisement, either having ads it's exclusively in them in the middle of like, uh, you know, an event, or they were an advertisement for a toy. Cartoon shows in the 80s were just advertisements for toys. So it is very interesting that like now that like we're in this weird, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to call it. You know, if you, depending on who you ask, it's a cultural regression or it's like uh, it's our it's our Greek mythology now or whatever, uh, but like superheroes <laughs> now are the product. So now things are advertising the cinematic universe, you know. So it's very interesting. It's uh, it's instead of all kind of like piping towards creating the profit at the end of the line, which is toys. Uh, now it is just like feeding into itself, and it's a cycle of of consistent reinvestment uh it's yeah it's a i don't know it's not a pipeline anymore it's a roller coaster of advertisement <laughs> and it's the i get and maybe maybe that's why this is so charming because this yeah. is coming from this has this has a very like rough around the edges yeah. uh, aesthetic to it which is kind of fun um <laughs> i kind of enjoy how it's not this really slick produced thing and and uh, it it really does feel like a a, a metalhead drawing uh, in it in his trapper keeper. You know, obviously there's a little more sophistication to it, but uh, uh, you could you can also see how it springs forth from that uh, that DNA. A hundred percent. Well, uh, I think that'll be it. I think we've uh, we've talked about uh, thirteen pages for about forty minutes. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's par for the course for a Tokyo Lives episode. Um, uh, but before we go, uh, I, uh, uh, Tokyo lives, uh, Kyle announced just a few episodes ago that we're definitely going to the all monsters attack convention, but, uh, I have heard rumors that you yourself will also be attending. Ah, well, as Cardi B and Lizzo would say, all the rumors are true. <gasps> I will, I will be there. This will be my first convention <laughs> in quite some time. So man, I'm excited. Uh, uh it'll be cool for yeah. us to hang out. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm excited to meet a lot of my a lot of my monster internet friends in real life, and uh, you know conventions are fun. I really am looking forward to meeting fans of giant monsters and uh, you know uh, yeah. in, indulging in indulging in all that that offers. <laughs> um, it'll it'll be a, it'll be a good time. So you know, mark your calendars for May 2023. Yeah, all monsters attack in Chicago. I I will be there. Rob will be there. And many, many, many other talented artists uh, will be there as well. Uh, yeah, I'm ex- I'm super excited. It'll be cool to hang out with you and a bunch of other folk. Uh, and um, since Twitter is uh, has a, a shaky future, uh, I do know that you have a patron where if people wanted to read more of Kaiju Soothsayer, they could get a, an inside track. Uh, so if you want to, if you want to share that. 
now would be a great uh, time to to allude to it. <laughs> well, all 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 of my social media is uh, I've I've got, thankfully my name is convoluted enough that I was a, <laughs> I'm able to get it on most of the things. Uh, I am still maintaining Twitter if that's your that's yeah. your uh, particular I'm way to uh, engage. Yeah, but you know Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, etc. But pa- Patreon as well. Uh, that is uh, Eric J. Schuster on on all of the relevant socials uh i i maintain the ones that are artist friendly and uh <laughs> as well you'll be able to read kaiji soothsayer uh and on patreon i actually literally just yesterday have uh started putting down uh, some digital ink on a brand new comics project Yo, uh, awesome. with all original characters which you know if uh, if you're interested uh you can check that out i'll probably throw up a couple a little a uh, couple of previews or sneak peeks but uh as of right now, that one's gonna gonna sit behind the paywall at least until it's done, and I've got a got a more solid release plan. <laughs> awesome. But, uh, yeah, I I, I I I post I got I got plenty of art for you to look at already out on all of the other platforms. If you're uh, curious, I would I would love to uh, love to share my art with your eyeballs. Yeah, and hey, if you've liked any of the T-shirts that uh, that have come out in the last two years. Uh, that is that has been exclusively and uh, this upcoming one uh, exclusively uh, a, an Eric Schuster collab. Uh, I would not be able to produce uh, 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 even half as entertaining a content uh, as uh, as I'm able to pump out without uh, Eric uh, being uh, uh, being uh, uh, my my t- uh, ha- my hands basically. Uh, but yeah, uh, well. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Next time we'll be covering Godzilla's Revenge, a uh, a novel that I'm told is very good. I'm reading it already. It is pretty good. Uh, and I'll catch you all on the next and final Tokyo Signals of this year uh, in December uh, for for a holiday special. So uh, until I see you then, goodbye everyone. Ooh, signals. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Hey, dudes, bedtime. Do you A, obey the babysitter, B, beg to stay up, C, hit her with thermonuclear breath? Godzilla, king of the monsters. His eyes flash as he roars. His arms swing, feet stomp, tail whips. Godzilla rules. Collect Godzilla and all his friends of destruction. Then fight the ultimate battle when no one is safe. Cool hair. Batteries not included. From Trendmasters. Yes. <laughs>